Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passages for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and this week we're being joined by Tim Pollard. Tim gives leadership to the kids team that produces Explore the Bible for Kids. So, Tim, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure to be here. We're going to be looking at session eight of our spring 2022 study of First and Second Thessalonians. We're examining chapter five, verses one through 11, which we've entitled Returning with an exclamation point. Uh, the summary statement is that God holds all people accountable for their actions. And the outline of these 11 verses are warning issued, alertness required, and future defined. That first section, warning issue, looks at verses one through three. In these verses, Paul reminded the Thessalonian believers that Christ would return suddenly like a thief. People will think the times point to peace and security when they actually point to destruction. The thing that we can walk away with is that Jesus will return just as he promised. And we'd be confident in that. The second point, alertness required, takes into Consideration verses four through eight. In these verses, Paul called on the Thessalonian believers to remain alert while waiting for the return of Jesus. He compared alertness to the readiness of a soldier for battle. For us, we need to understand that we are to live as light while waiting for the return of Jesus. The last section, verses nine through 11, which we've entitled Future Defined, in these verses, Paul declared that God appointed salvation to those who believe in Jesus, and believers will live together with the resurrected Lord. We can walk away knowing that hope for a future is based on the resurrection of Jesus. So that's a quick look at these verses, verses 1 through 11, with that idea being, again, warning issued, alertness required, future defined. Tim, in verse 1, Paul talks about Chronos and Kairos, two different Greek words used for time. What's the importance of him doing that? Really, those two Greek words are both talking about time, but it's kind of a different um, aspect of time. So the first word, Chronos, is really where we get our concept of chronology or chronological, and it kind of refers to the movement of time more in a linear fashion. Uh, so when you, if you think about a clock, that's what you want to think about when you hear that word, chronos. Um, and the second word, kairos, is really, really more uh, focused on a, a span of time or an epic or a, an era, uh, something like that. Uh, you can think of it more in a span of time. So, you know, currently what we're we're living in the spring season so that's more of a kairos period of time i think that the concept really is uh, what paul's trying to get across to them is that you know god is in control of of all of that whether it's the clock or the calendar um you know god is god is always in in control in verse two we find the phrase day of the lord well, that was an Old Testament term. He's writing this to the Thessalonians, some of whom would have been Jewish and some who would have been Gentile. 
what should we make of him using this Old Testament phrase here uh, in chapter five? So obviously the day of the Lord was a very common phrase used in the Old Testament. Those prophets loved to talk about the day of the Lord. And when they were talking about the day of the Lord, it was really a, it was a day focused on, on darkness and judgment. Uh, you know, it was, it was really a phrase that highlighted the fact, not just for Israel, but for other nations um, around them, that there was a day coming where judgment was going to be sure. Um, and each of those prophecies really was fulfilled or, or realized either during the, the time frame that the prophet was there or, you know, in the future. Um, ultimately, the day of the Lord was also a day of rejoicing uh, because it looked forward in the Old Testament to Christ's birth. Uh, there was that coming day of the Lord that day was going to be a, a, a good day as well. Um, but the New Testament writers really kind of picked up on that because it, it is still both and, you know, there is a, a day coming for those who are unbelievers. The day of the Lord is not going to be a happy and a joyful day. It's going to be, it's going to be a time where, um, you know, there's going to be judgment coming. Uh, but we're also ultimately, you know, looking forward as believers uh, to the day when, when Christ does return. And both uh, believers and unbelievers on that day are going to be affected. The recipients of this letter, that would have been an important thing for them to keep mm -hmm. in mind because they were facing persecution. And knowing that that day was coming would be a, not just a source of hope, but a source of comfort and encouragement for them to keep keep on in the middle sure. of the persecution. Yeah, I think definitely Paul was looking forward to that. You know, there there are uh, most of Paul's letters, obviously, were written during a time period when people were experiencing crazy persecution um, because of their belief. You know, that's not something that we escape today either. We, we certainly um, can be persecuted for our faith as well. And more so in some places in our world than, Absolutely. than we experience and uh, making it much more poignant at that point. He uses two analogies here in verses two and three. He talks about the thief and he talks about a, a woman in labor pain. How are these two things related when he's talking about the day of the Lord or the return? So obviously those analogies are uh, things, you know, Paul was really a good master at um, meeting people where they lived and, and, and giving them, you know, modern day examples of what he was trying to teach and how to get those concepts across. And so obviously, you know, both thievery and, labor pains were something labor pains would have been expected by a woman who was about to give birth. But, you know, um, also they were something that would have come on, uh, in the blink of an eye as it were. Um, so something that even though they were expected would have happened maybe during a time where they weren't expected. And then the thieves, obviously, also the same thing. You know, the thieves would come in the night and, and would break in and steal things from your home when you least expected them to be there. And I think that's what he's, he's really trying to say. You know, uh, both the thief and the labor pain are something that's going to happen suddenly. And it, it's the same thing with Christ's return. When Christ returns, it's going to happen uh, 
in the blink of an eye and um, at a time when when people won't won't expect it. Yeah, both of them, both of those analogies, uh, the idea of a thief and of labor pains, you know, there's things you can do to prepare yourself to try to minimize those things, but you don't really control when that happens. Absolutely um, not. And so you see that in this passage too. In verses four through eight, Paul uses a bunch of comparisons. He talks about dark and light, drunk, sober, asleep, awake, night and day. How do these help us understand the point that Paul was making here in verses four through eight? So I think a lot of that, obviously, you know, darkness and light is something that is a common refrain throughout the the New Testament. Uh, Jesus himself taught about, you know, the differences between darkness and light. And that's something, obviously, that, you know, Paul picks up on um, helping his readers to understand, you know, that as a Christian, we want to do things in the the light. Um, We are children of light. You know, we are... um, people who want to be in the light because that's where God needs us to be. We don't want to be people of darkness, the where things that happen in the, in the darkness or, or things done under cover of darkness, obviously, or things that are done not to reflect what God commands us to do. Um, so what that really means. There's a reason we do it in the dark. Absolutely. <laughs> So, and that's what, that's really what he's trying to get across. So what does that really mean in, in the life of a Christian? So he kind of jumps off of that and then throws in some of these other positive, negative analogies where he's talking about drunkness and soberness, equating drunkness, obviously with the darkness and soberness, obviously with the light, um, asleep, you're going to do that at night. You're going to be awake during the day, but there's also spiritual implications to those. Uh, you know, he's talking about the positive aspect of, of soberness. If you're sober, then you have all of your faculties about you. Uh, you're paying attention. You are on full alert, uh, basically. Uh, and then the same thing with being asleep and awake. Uh, we're not talking about physical sleep and physical wakeness, but we want to be in tune with what's happening in our world. Uh, we want to be awake to the reality of what God is doing around us. Um, so we want to be, you know, aware of and vigilant about those things. So when we're talking about that coming day of the Lord or the return of Christ, you know, we want to, we don't want to be lazy about it. We want to pay attention. We want to be uh, with our full faculties about us. So I think that's what he's really trying to do with those comparisons and, and those positive negative analogies. One of the things I plan on doing when we're looking at these verses four through eight with my class is I'm going to make a chart on a, on the marker board that we have. You can do it on a blackboard, you can do it on paper, however you want to do it, but just have what we, what we are and what we aren't. And then as we walk through these verses, we are not darkness. We are not in the dark. We are in the light. And just go back and forth as we walk through these verses, listing the things we see, these contrasts, and then coming back and us analyzing those contrasts as a group to see what common themes we see in everything that we aren't and a common theme and themes in the things that we are. And I think that will help us, at least my class, have a better understanding of that particular section 
of this passage. Session six, which was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, we had a break in between the two. Um, but session six, pretty close, same, you know, some of the same ideas here. How can we give a different focus between that lesson and this lesson? So I think the main focus really on session six was one of the things that Thessalonians were struggling with, as did I assume a lot of the congregations at that time was really, you know, what happened to, to people once they died? Um, you know, where are, are we going to miss out on um, heaven because we died before Christ returned? You know, they didn't understand that Christ's return may not be an imminent thing in their time period. Um, so what Paul really was trying to help them to do during that time was to see, you know, there is hope. There is hope um, of resurrection when Christ returns. And that's a good thing. Uh, so that's something that as Christians, they, they get to hang on to that and um, understand that, you know, because Christ was raised from the dead, obviously there is resurrection from the dead. So those who have died in Christ are, are still going to still going to raise uh, when Christ does return. And, and this, this section really is focused on helping them to understand how to live in light of that, um, because we, we want to live in a way that is honoring to God. So we don't want to live in the darkness. We don't want to live drunk. We don't want to live asleep. We want to live in the day. We want to be awake and, and, and fully aware of what God is doing in our world at this moment. Um, as we live our Christian lives. So the focus really kind of plays off of what he had written earlier in chapter six or chapter four. Um, but, you know, it's, it, he, he's building upon that. I failed to mention this. I just realized this looking at my notes. I failed to mention this when we were looking at verses, uh, verse two, the day of the Lord. Uh, we're encouraged in the group plans to look at pack item 10, which pack item 10 is a, is a handout entitled Day of the Lord, and it has uh, information about that phrase. It's it's uh, more like a Bible dictionary entry, something we would find in a Bible dictionary, that kind of, of information. So the idea is for us to take that, distribute it, and just review it and help folks think through that. But one of the things I think I'm going to do is I'm going to use that handout to help my group complete the Bible skill. I'm going to use the Bible skill at that point because the Bible skill focuses on the day of the Lord. Uh, and it helps us. It gives us some passages to look at Isaiah 13, Joel 1, Joel 3, Zephaniah 1, Malachi 4, Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Thessalonians 2, and 2 Peter 3. Uh, there's a lot of verses. That's nine different verses. But what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my group, I'm going to put them in either pairs or uh, may put them in larger group, larger than a pair, two or three people, three people maybe, and then take the, that set of nine, give some of them two, maybe three of these verses, and ask them to look those verses up, read the content that's on the pack item in pack item 10 about the day of the Lord, and just answer the questions that are in the, uh, that's included in the Bible skill, which is how would you summarize the significance of the term, the day of the Lord? and do that based on what they find in their assigned verses. I may not assign to them uh, the second Thessalonians passage, because we're going to look at that in the future, but I may just to connect the two books to each other. 
uh, with my class because knowing knowing that we're we're going to be looking at that in the very near future may help them think through that. But that'll be a way for me to help them think through, to look at, consider the significance of that phrase, the day of the Lord, using the pack out of in the Bible skill when we look at verses one through three. Tim, are there any other key ideas or thoughts that you would want to bring out from this passage? I would just say that, um, you know, there is a little emphasis right there towards the end about uh, spiritual armor. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that Paul wrote to the Galatians pretty heavily about. Um, but it's something that that obviously is is important. Um, you know, I think he kind of talked about the importance of wearing that spiritual armor, uh, not just that we're vigilant and alert and ready to go, but that we're fully armored uh, with the word of God to be able to help us to fight any battles that, that, that we come across in there. So I'm not sure how that's borne out in, in the study, but you know, it is something that I think um, is something we want to take, take some time to kind of explore as well. Yeah, the focus of what we're dealing with in that section is more on the resurrection of Jesus and us having hope because of that. But along those same lines, we also know it's a gift of grace. And God prepares us to face life as a result of that gift. And the things that are, you you mentioned Galatians about the armor and Ephesians as well. Um, Ephesians 6, where we put on the full armor. Those things all help us and equip us. Uh, to be the kind of, of person, kind of believer we're supposed to be. And so it does tie into the how do we live our life because it's put on this armor and wear it in a way that's supposed right. to be worn. Well, thank you for bringing that up and uh, pointing that out to us. I'm sure that'll help us as we process and think through how we're going to teach this lesson. I want to thank Tim for being with us today. Thank you for listening to us today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. If I don't know the answer, I will send you to the right person who can get that question answered for you. Join us next week. We'll be looking at session nine. We'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 12 through 24. Mike Livingston will be joining us and we'll be looking at the idea of salvation is demonstrated through God-honoring lifestyles.